Greetings, cyberspace, and welcome to episode 23 of the Double Density Podcast with your hosts, Brian and Angelo. Now, this week is a bit of a, uh, I don't want to call it a scatterbrain episode, but I think, Angelo, you would agree with me that there's a lot of different content that we're going to cover both in tech and paranormal this week. Uh, will we call it a grab bag episode, I guess? I'd prefer calling it like a cornucopia of topics. Oh, that's a good idea. So that way it sounds like we're classier. Cornucopia. That's um, that's something from the Hunger Games too. <laughs> sure. Why not? You haven't seen. Have you have you read the Hunger Games, Brian? No, I've not read nor seen the Hunger Games. If you want to at me, oh. go ahead on Twitter at Brian Hasty H A S T I E. All right, do it, everyone. Tell Brian how much you love Katniss. So, have you read the Hunger Games or watched the Hunger Games or both? I have. I've read the Hunger Games and I've watched all of them, but the last movie, which I thought. I was, I don't know, I haven't been in the mood for it. It's on Netflix, but it seems a little boring to me, but I'm not sure. So you're not willing to ride that one out? I may watch it. It's it's like two and a half hours long, though. All right. It's very well, long. It's, it's, it's there it's on one Netflix. Of those things, well, it's one of those things where they, they extended the last book into two movies to kind of milk it for all it's worth. The old Harry Potter? They pulled the Harry Potter, yeah. So grab bag, cornucopia, what do we have? So first off, you want to complain about something. It's not really complaining. It's just it it hasn't happened in so long because I've been so used to having a auto save feature on everything that I was. So I finally, you know, uh, we're back in the swing of things at work. I work at a university, so September is the start of the new semester, and um, I'm on a committee for something. And I was taking notes, and I'm the chair of this committee, so it was I was like working on a spreadsheet to make sure I had everything I needed to know about every single case and took diligent notes, was ready to make sure I had everything planned. And the committee ended, the meeting ended, everything was good. And uh, the room where we were in, the Wi-Fi wasn't that great. So I was using Excel on my iPad, which uses a Dropbox, and it lost the connection to Dropbox. And then when I went to open my Excel spreadsheet, I had only entered two things. It had only saved up to that point. So I kind of freaked out. It made me not happy. But then when I got home, I double-checked in my Dropbox at home, and everything was there. So I don't know what happened, but for that brief period of about an hour between the time I last looked at my spreadsheet and then when I looked at it again at home, I was not pleased with uh, the way Excel worked on my iPad. But Ultimately, it was okay. But remember those days before autosave? I definitely do. And some of the first uh, high school and Sejap University papers I ever wrote uh, suffered greatly due to me being stupid before autosave. It was even before I had a, back, going back to my old GeoWorks Ensembles PC that way, I think we talked about it in the first episode. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't really know there was a shortcut even to save. I'm not even sure, actually. Now, like, on on a Mac, I know it's uh, it's command S, but and I still do it even though that everything gets autosaved. But I was uh, so worried about it when I was a kid and working on papers when I first started using computers, I would always click on that um, little diskette that most people now, if you, apparently, if you ask a millennial what that is, uh, or a young millennial, let's say, they'll just think it's the save button and they don't realize it comes from the old uh, diskettes of, of your yonder, <laughs> yonder your. So, um, but yeah, uh, anyway, all that to say, uh, everything worked out at the end, but uh, I'm glad autosave exists. I am too. So moving quickly or not so quickly, I guess, from uh, your acce- one accessory uh, that you own to another, you're also having some Apple Watch issues. So it's not major issues, but um, so looking at my watch right now, uh, the percentage of the battery is at 25%. You last week at this time of day, it would normally be at 35 to 40%. So something's going on with the watchOS update. I updated to watchOS 4. And um, it was really bad the first few days where I got down to, I think, 13 and 15% by around this time. And that's extraordinarily low. It's never been that low. So I was sure something was wrong. So I unpaired and then paired my watch again, which essentially uh, erases the whole thing and then restores from backup, and it's been better, but I'm not the only one having these issues, so people who are on the uh, quote-unquote Series 0 watch, so that's the first-gen Apple Watch, and even the second-gen Apple Watches, uh, a lot of people are taking huge battery hits, so there's probably some little process going awry in watchOS 4.0, 
and that'll get fixed in a future update. Um, speaking of updates, iOS 11 uh, went to iOS 11.0.1 today. There was a short, quick update already out for uh, iOS 11. Nothing major, nothing that I can tell. I haven't updated yet. It's ready to go on my phone. It'll update overnight, but not quite sure what that update was. Maybe it'll help with battery life on that, although my iPhone 6S battery seems to be okay, but I charge in the middle of the day, so I hardly notice it. Great. So it seems like this this will be something that will uh, continue monitoring, I guess. I'll probably get random texts and messages from you in the coming days letting me know how that's going. You'll be getting text messages from me also to update. Have you updated? You have not I have probably. not. I usually yeah, wait a week and a half to two weeks. Yeah, it's actually probably the smart thing to do, which is what I've done with um, Mac OS X High Sierra. I have not updated it yet. So speaking of updates and new gadgets and things like that, the iPhone 8 is out in the wild and a lot of people have been breaking down both its insides and its outsides. So apparently the A11 Bionic chip is super fast. Yeah, it's pretty much bonkers fast. They um, There's a headline on Tom's Guide where it says iPhone 8 is the world's fastest phone. Uh, it's not even close. So um, the thing I find incredible with it is that they, they put it up against um, the Galaxy Note 8, which is currently the fastest Android phone, and it's 54% faster. No mention of the essential, though? No, no mention of the essential. And, <laughs> and, and the thing that's crazy is that the, the Note 8, um, this is where we get into the realm of where uh, feeds and speeds don't really matter anymore in terms of on paper, uh, because on paper, the Note 8 has 6 gigabytes of RAM, and um, the iPhone 8 only has 3. So RAM's not really doing anything for the 8. The, the the either eight the note eight or the or the the iPhone eight it's it's the processor itself where Apple's so efficient with their processor uh, creation that they're just blowing these other phones out of the water at the end of the day though it's two completely different operating systems so somebody using a, a Samsung Galaxy eight note eight or s eight or whatever phone you use you're not really going to notice it's going to be plenty fast using Android because it's optimized for that it's just uh, insane that the iPhone 8 Plus is that much faster. And again, like these Geekbench performance tests, it's not real world stuff. The one thing they did test real world was in video editing. So right, that's what I wanted to bring up actually. Yeah, so they basically um, tested the time it took for a 4K video clip to um, to export. So the iPhone 8 took 42 seconds. The Galaxy Note 8 took three, sec- uh, three minutes and three seconds, so more than three times as long. And the Galaxy S8 Plus took four uh, minutes and seven seconds. So that's real-world stuff where um, that's pretty crazy how much faster it is. That's an incredible amount of time to save on a two-minute 4K video. Yeah, that's, that's a lot of time. So over time, I guess, that, uh, that makes a difference. So that's the one real-world thing. Um, then there's also like scores where they kind of look at uh, it being faster than a Core i5. Um, I think it was a MacBook Pro. So it's actually faster than a MacBook Pro, a 13-inch MacBook Pro Core i5. Uh, it's a little bit faster. The thing is, is what you do on a laptop is totally different than what you would do on an iPhone. So it's kind of not a fair comparison. And uh, one thing to note too is they actually did two real-world uh, real tests in there as they... Um, they both did the video editing as well as the PDF open time. I don't know if you noticed that, but uh, oh, yeah, the look at iPhone that. 8 hands down is the best thing. Uh, so it took 0.74 seconds to open a 5 meg PDF file versus the Galaxy Note 8, which took 6.41 seconds. So wow. congrats <laughs> on gaining that 4.7, 4.8 seconds, everyone. That's uh, Well, that's pretty crazy, right? When you think of it. Well, for sure. And I mean, like, I think that like that's a great metric. I do think the video editing and exporting thing is much more relevant in this day and age, but both are interesting benchmarks to um, sort of gauge how fast the iPhone 8 is and who knows how much faster the iPhone 10 may be too, right? Uh, the iPhone 10 shouldn't be much faster if faster at all because it's the exact same chip and the exact same amount of RAM. So they both have the uh, A11 Bionic chip as well as the as having three gigabytes of RAM both the 8 Plus. I don't know if the 8 has 3 gigs of RAM. That I'm not sure, but the 8 Plus definitely has 3 gigs of RAM, as does the um, the iPhone 10. So that's not going to make a bigger difference. The, the difference on the iPhone 10 is the aesthetics, the, the, the better screen, 
and um, face ID. Face ID. So the cameras are better, right? The back back facing camera, the front facing camera. But speaking of cameras, uh, there was a really great review uh, by uh, Matt Panzerino on TechCrunch, uh, basically reviewing the iPhone eight not even as a phone, but just as a camera. And I found that interesting because for most people, this is their camera. Nobody really uses any other cameras at this point uh, other than uh, people that really want to get a very specific type of shot. But for most things, where most people used to use a point and shoot, they're using their phones now. And uh, this is a really good camera on a really good phone. So um, I'd encourage you to read the review. It's uh, And there's a great video too. So I'll, uh, I'll link that in the show notes for sure. And up on DoubleDensity.net right now is an article that you wrote all about waiting to buy an iPhone. So do you want to kind of explain some of the things that's, that are going through your mind right now as a, an avid Apple user? It's, it's been an interesting uh, thought process to figure out what do I want to do when the time comes to get a phone? Um, obviously, there's some factors I can't control being uh, the quantity of actual iPhones that are going to be available when it comes time to buy one. I'm kind of leaning towards the iPhone 8 Plus still. The last time we talked, it was the uh, it was a toss up, but it was leaning towards the iPhone 8 Plus. And basically, this article is me kind of sussing it out in my head about what do I want to do and what what advantages each has over the other. Um, the The iPhone 10 is going to be a great phone, but it's going to be really hard to find, and as a result, the price is going to stay the same. And judging by the lineups and stuff I, I didn't see last week at the Apple Store, um, the iPhone 8 and 8 Plus are going to not be in um, short supply, probably meaning that by the end of the winter, even probably closer, getting closer to December and January, the price is probably going to drop. Like right now, an iPhone 8 Plus uh, with my carrier is $360 Canadian with a subsidized two-year contract. So that's not too bad. I just took a look today. They posted the price of the iPhone 10, and it's $600 with the same type of two-year contract. So that's quite a bit of savings there. Some people might say, well, you might as well spend the 240 bucks to get back to, to, to the iPhone 10. But I'm not quite sure it's all going to be proven yet. It is a first-gen product. Apple's become pretty good at making first-gen products like the, iPhone, uh, the Apple Watch uh, has proven. Uh, battery woes notwithstanding at this point, but uh, that's the, to be expected when there's a new update. Honestly, Brian, these phones are pretty good all around, right? <laughs> I will agree with you to a certain extent, but I feel like the uh, the heart boner you got going on here uh, <laughs> makes this hard for you to sort of suss out, uh, empirically speaking in some ways. Though I do yeah. agree that the specs as well as the performance are um, far above a lot of the Android models out there. Yeah, and but I'm talking about uh, any any iPhone you buy now, you're fine. The the processors are so way ahead. Like my wife's iPhone 5s is four and a, four years old at this point, and it's totally fine. Still works well. I updated it to iOS 11. Not much stuttering. The battery is still decent, although yeah, it's a four year old battery, so those that kind of starts having to be recharged more often than not. Is that something you worry about during the day? Battery life, absolutely. Usually when I come home, um, I'm at 40%. See, I I get to... The thing is, I listen to podcasts all day long, so that kind of kills my battery, especially since now I started using um, AirPods and all that. Uh, but I charge at lunchtime, and now I haven't charged since 1, and my phone... So it, it was full charge at 1 o'clock, my phone right now is currently at 47%. But that's because I've, I also downloaded the um, update to iOS 11, so that doesn't help. But still, um, basically, if I don't charge at lunchtime, I'm kind of messed for the day. Two uh, last final pieces on this mandatory Apple tech talk block. The first <laughs> one, Siri is now using Google instead of Bing uh, to pull up search results, but Siri is still using Bing for images. I heard that Bing is actually better at image searches from what I understand. I, I, I've never it really... It is the preferred um, search engine when looking for adult pictures, I recently found out. Really? That's interesting. I, was, I had no idea. I was idea. reading that. I, uh, I stumbled down a Twitter kind of a rabbit hole that kind of explained a lot of the stuff. And apparently, yeah, it is the preferred 
uh, image uh, search engine for uh, teenagers everywhere. <laughs> it's great. Well, it's pretty funny that they, they actually search for the, the images like that. But uh, I honestly never really paid attention to what Siri used because I hardly use Siri to, to search for anything. I kind of go the old-fashioned way and just type it in a search engine. But uh, I use Google. Do you use Google or anything else? I tend to use Google for everything. Yeah, I don't really care if they know what I'm searching for. I'm not exactly searching for anything bizarre. Actually, no, that's not true because with this podcast, I search for a lot of weird stuff. <laughs> but um, yeah, overall, I I used to actually say whenever I would uh, use Siri to search, I would actually specifically say uh, uh, Google this or that because apparently that was the trick to get her to use. I keep talking about Siri like it's a person, but to get Siri to use uh, Google search engine instead of Bing, you would have to actually say Google this. But now apparently you don't have to say that as of yesterday, I think. So to, we're recording on Tuesday the 26th. And um, as of yesterday, that's what's happened. So that's a big deal. Apparently Apple just wants to uh, make it consistent across everything. So their Safari search engine by default is Google. And now they want to make it consistent with Siri as well. I don't know. I guess Google paid them a lot of money. Speaking of Siri, though, I had something happen to me today, and this is the last thing that we'll talk about Apple-wise that was very interesting. So I'm in a new office. One of my coworkers is named Cindy. So today I turned to her and I said, hey, Cindy, question, and Siri came to life. Oh, boy. Now she's haunting you. And and so it literally said, hey, Siri, question, which sort of freaked me out. That's Um, great. It was very weird because I looked down and suddenly this voice came out of nowhere and everyone in my area kind of looked at me as my phone was talking to me. Did I just hear hear Siri go off on your phone? Yes, because I said, hey, Cindy. (laughs) Yeah, see? (laughs) Oh, boy. A mind of its own, really. But it was was kind of really funny. I I had a flashback towards you and your whole debacle with Siri uh, some months back. So, you know, you and I are now brothers in the fight against Siri and uh, her invasion of our lives. Double Density presents the sounds of your youth. Double Density. Welcome back to Double Density. And speaking of um, referring back before to uh, your decision to wait or not wait to buy an iPhone, you recently, after listening, uh, after I prodded you last week on last week's episode to uh, watch the Room 237 documentary based on Kubrick's The Shining, you finally started watching and then what happened to so you? So I did. I I decided to watch it on my lunch hour so I couldn't watch the whole thing because it's I think it was an hour and 45 minutes. So I watched the first 45 minutes, 50 minutes, and then I went to, so that was last Thursday, went to watch it yesterday, and guess what? It's off of Netflix. So I waited all these years to watch it, because it's been there for years at this point. I finally decide to watch it. The week I picked to watch it, five days later, it's off of Netflix. Is that a conspiracy as well? I think that someone is monitoring this specific podcast and pulling the licensing rates as it happens. So you watched what, like uh, like half of it roughly, let's say? So it, the worst part is I was just getting to the part you told me to watch about the moon landing. Oh, I said, okay, so I'm going to stop it right here. And this is, I, this is the best part. I'm going to watch this and enjoy it uh, straight through. And guess what? You didn't. can't watch it. So, yeah. <laughs> um, would, you have, would you ever want to buy it like digitally? No, I'm just going to no. wait for it. It's going to end up coming back. Oftentimes, uh, something will disappear from my list and show back up. Uh, but this is the first time it happens where I lose something in the middle of watching it. I was, when I was binging, while well, binging, I was getting through The Good Wife, uh, my biggest worry when I was doing that was like, oh God, they're going to just remove it off of Netflix when I'm like in the middle of season five. And if you're really enjoying a TV show, that's probably the the worst thing that could happen in terms of anything uh, you watch on Netflix, where it's just, you're in the middle of watching a series and it disappears. That's not pleasant. But it's the dangers of not owning your content. At one point, um, Netflix would tell you we're pulling this off and then give a date. I'm not sure if they still do it because I haven't watched. They obviously um, don't, closely. Brian. Yeah, clearly. But uh, at one point, Netflix was telling people when. I'm not sure if they're not doing that anymore out of, you know, X, Y, Z reasons. But I do agree with you that, like, content tends to get rotated in and out. Like, the new for you section and the recently added section is kind of funny because sometimes you see the same things popping up every six months. And you know that they've been off and on. 
Yeah, and, and sometimes it's off and on for like a week. So I'm hoping this is the case with Room 237 where it's going to just pop back up because it's rare that something disappears at like the end of the month. Not It usually di- disappears at right at, on the first of the month. Exactly. So the new batch shows up on the first and everything that had to be taken out gets taken out. But like September 25th for something to just disappear is a bit odd. So you're not going to be using Amazon to, to buy Room 237? No, I'm not going to buy uh, Amazon. Although I, I, I bought something yesterday on Amazon using free shipping because I'm cheap, right? I don't, I don't have Amazon Prime, and uh, you know the free eight day shipping, whatever. I don't care. I ordered some uh, anchor cables, uh, anchored the company, not like something to anchor <laughs> something to a wall. So Lightning uh, iPhone cables, a few because I'm going to be very sexy. Yeah, I'm going to be traveling uh, with the family uh, next week, so. I got those and a USB power brick. So there's four um, entries in there. So I can just bring one thing instead of bringing like multiple adapters for a couple of cell phones and an Apple watch. So I bought those yesterday morning. I got them today with free shipping. That's pretty amazing, uh, but a bit of a ripoff for people that would pay for one day shipping. Don't you think it's kind of weird? So when I first started ordering from Amazon Canada in 2000, the end of 2005, like same day shipping for free was kind of the norm. Yeah, I noticed that as well. Like I'd, I'd often get things and then as time progressed, I guess they're trying to tear out um, waiting times in terms of, you know, compensating prime members. But once in a while, if I order something on Amazon, it'll ship day of, but very, very rarely. Usually it's, it's a couple of days. So my last three things I've ordered was the Raspberry Pi. That took over a week, which was something I was really excited to get and it took a while. And last Thursday, I ordered the uh, most hipsterish of hipster things, which is an AeroPress for coffee. <laughs> uh, and that, got, I got it yesterday. So that was relatively fast. I haven't used it yet. I'll, I'll report back on that. Piece. When are you going to learn how to use a unicycle? Yeah, seriously, I'm going to AeroPress while I'm on a unicycle wearing a, a hat. Um, but I'll, I'll report back on that piece of technology in the near future. But, Great, can't um, wait. Yeah, see? And then today, I, I ordered something yesterday morning, and I got it today, which that, that was impressive. But um, it was in Telcom that, again, delivered it. And the guy basically is <laughs> so funny. I hear the doorbell ring, and like I get to the door, and like the package just basically falls off the door, and I just see a guy drive off. It was kind of funny. It's, like they, it's like almost like he left like a flaming bag of poop. But uh, he just took off. Except it was. it was your precious contents. It was, yeah, it was my anchor cables, which when I opened them, I'm like, are these real? Because they looked sort of fake because like the pack- the packaging was okay, but it seemed sort of crushed. But I think it got crushed in... in uh... Do you still have it? Yeah, it's fine. I, I, I looked. It, they're, they're legitimate. Okay. I was, I was going to ask you if you could post a picture on Twitter or something because I'm curious now to see what this looked like. No, it, it's fine. It was just a bit squished. So like the, where it says to cut was already like ripped open by by accident i guess but the, no, the <laughs> sure. cables are fine and uh but it was funny how the power brick which costs a bit more was like pristinely packaged all very almost apple-like not exactly but quite nicely packaged but um no they all work fine i, I checked everything to make sure because apparently anchor is very good with their customer service so I'm Not beginning to, to see like a pattern here, right? So someone takes off uh, things on streaming services that you're watching. Someone might be messing with your hand-delivered mail. Huh. Interesting. Is it Siri? The, <laughs> the embodiment of Siri. Siri incarnate. Hey, Siri, are you messing with Angelo? I don't have the answer to that. Is there something else I can help you with? Well, we are leaving that one well alone for the moment. One final item in the tech section. So usually we talk about high-tech things, right? So you and I are very interested in the newest and the fastest and the best, but sometimes you got to go low-tech, right? So the American Red Cross has asked the American Radio Relay League for 50 ham radio operators to head down to Puerto Rico, right? So right now, um, a ton of the infrastructure is unfortunately decimated um, due to, to recent hurricane activity, right? So what they've done is they want to send people down there to set up a relay system in order to communicate um, emergency broadcasts as well as uh, get links up in terms of being able to uh, talk to different um, parts of the island and get things all fixed up. So I thought that was a really interesting note. It's unfortunate, but it's also kind of, uh, you don't hear about ham operators being needed all too often these days. But I think it's important in this case because the cell infrastructure is all down. They can't really do much about getting communication across. But ham radios work so well for this type of problem 
that uh, this is what they need. But it's interesting when you look at the requirements, they're really um, specific requirements and the qualifications they need are, are really um, pinned down to something really specific where they have to be able to speak Spanish and they have to wor work within a certain band and things. It's, it's quite, quite something that we don't really think about anymore because we have these magical little computers in our pockets. I have often thought about getting my general class ham radio license in the past because, you know, that's something cool that you can get with minimal effort. And I'm still thinking about it right now, but um, haven't yet gone to the lengths that some have in terms of getting your lifetime license. Have you ever, has it ever crossed your mind? Um, briefly, I remember watching, um, what's the uh, contact where uh, Jodie Foster's character was uh, a young ham radio operator. And uh, I always imagined myself getting in contact with strange people from around the world. But now that's called the internet. So, <laughs> uh, and we do that via internet forums where we become keyword warriors and just talk to people that way. And it's something that we've definitely covered before, but I thought this was a real interesting article again, because as I said, we don't really hear about um, low-tech uh, responses to uh, a lot of large-scale emergencies. So I thought that was kind of neat. Yeah, I recently watched a TV show called Frequency where... Uh, uh, father and daughter communicate via the, via ham radio and across time, so it's kind of interesting. He's uh, he's I think thirty years in the past or twenty years in the past. Yeah, it's twenty years. Kind of interesting. He's in the nineties. I don't think of the nineties being twenty years ago. That's how old I am. It's too late now. It's uh, the sands of time are passing, Angelo. I know. It was. Uh, it's strange that when I, whenever somebody says, "Oh, that happened twenty years ago," in my head, it's in the eighties. But that's not twenty years ago. So what you're saying is that you're you're becoming one of those people who like time is not as it, it's all a relative thing for you. Yeah, that's that's something that uh, reading the old video game mags I've been going through makes me remember is like uh, how excited I was for Super Mario Brothers three or Super Mario World, but the wait period wasn't even that long. It was like a year. Big deal. A year. Who cares? Now things come uh, come fast and furious at us all. <laughs> including Fast and Furious movies. All right, old man, let's uh, head on through this bumper and head to the paranormal section in that case. A double density PSA. Don't you dare copy that floppy. Nor copy it, who cares? Double density. Welcome back to Double Density, and as always, we're switching gears from tech to the paranormal, and this is really where the uh, the grab bag slash cornucopia is going to happen this week, too, I feel, because uh, last week we released an episode, episode 22, called I Don't Believe. I Don't Want to Believe. I Don't Want to Believe, there we go, because I knew I had the title wrong, but I was kind of vamping, <laughs> hoping you would answer me. So anyways, it's called I Don't Want to Believe, and then uh, some uh, Twitter users decided to take that uh, to mean it literally, and were a little worried about what we meant. Yeah, Sam from Not Alone. I'm assuming it was Sam, but uh, from Not Alone wrote, uh, it looks like Double Density episode this week is heresy. But heresy, <laughs> I'm excited to hear. And he posted a picture. And uh, I hope once he listened to the episode, he saw that it was all in context and in good fun. But uh, it made you think of something, didn't, you, didn't it, Brian? Well, it was this combined with uh, a forum post we found where there, uh, someone had suggested a Double Density drinking game? Oh, Yeah. I, uh, um, apparently I, I say so I too often so yeah so every time Angela says so I you have to take a shot of something so yeah um, but yeah it made me think is anyone out there that's listening to us like hate listening to us like just you know fists clenched just kind of gritting their teeth wishing that we would just stop you know and with every new episode they'd sit there let their app download it and then just get angry for like an hour if they're listening to us at two times then like a half hour <laughs> yeah You'd think hate listeners would listen to us at two times, but maybe not. Maybe they want to drag out the hate. Um, but we'd love to hear from you. You can always reach us on Twitter, double underscore density, facebook.com slash double density podcast. You can also head over to Instagram at double density podcast, and you can find our website at double density.net. If you want, you can hit up the contact button at the top right. Or hey, if you're there, listen to an episode. So that's one of the <laughs> kind of questions we had surrounding our, like this is like an inward reflection kind of moment, right? So that's one of the questions we had. The other question is that um, <laughs> looking at our stats disproportionately, Idaho has a thing for us. Like, more than any other U.S. state, Idaho is a hotbed of double-density downloading and streaming. Yeah, we uh, our episode released uh, yesterday, or the day before that, and 
We've had a lot of downloads from Idaho this week, and it's, uh, I wonder why that is. Um, did we mention Idaho? I don't think so. But whoever is there listening to us. Maybe it's verbal SEO. <laughs> Maybe. But uh, I don't know. But uh, if you're listening to us, um, thank you. And uh, greetings from Canada. <laughs> yes. We will start the historic Idaho-Canada treaty in mere moments for anyone listening. So yeah, if anyone from Idaho is listening, please reach out to us and let us know. Uh, cause we're super, uh, excited and a little confused at this point. Cold and snowy Quebec reaches out to you. Although right now it's not cold. Is it Brian? Uh, we're in the middle of a three uh, week heat wave, which is wreaking havoc on my body. I have like a low level flu going on. Yeah, it's not pleasant. Um, but Hey, look, it's going to be minus 30 soon. So let's enjoy it while we have it. Speaking about things that are unseasonably or unfairly warm and catastrophic, uh, we survived September 23rd. Congrats. Yeah, my, my son had his fourth birthday without any issues. No planets smashed into us. And his party on Sunday went off without a hitch. That would have been the worst birthday. Yeah. Hey, look, what's that giant ball about to smash into us? Although <laughs> a, a ball did smash into my poor kid. Uh, he was... Um, we're Italian, so we play something called bocce ball. Of course uh, we play bocce ball, of course. Yeah, so um, we brought our set there, and it it's like a high-budget set, so the balls are like huge, and they're ceramic, and they're extraordinarily heavy. And he decided to throw one in the air, and it landed on his head. And he ended up with a huge goose egg on there, but he's fine now, I think. He's been walking into walls randomly, but I'm sure he's fine. <laughs> so yes, uh, Nibiru, Planet X, you know armageddon we've we've sort of survived all of this congrats we've come through the other side and the bureau's such a silly joke like it's it was basically created by a crazy lady and um because the the zetas talked to her um i almost don't even want to mention that without uh and dignify her insanity but um yeah there's no planet uh, astronomers they would see it not astrologers but astronomers would see it because it's a giant planet and so um, apparently, so this whole thing, right, is that it was supposed to trigger like a period of time where we just decline as a species until we die. But well, arguably that might be happening, but uh, it's, it's just silly and it's not happening. Poor NASA, they have to keep debugging this every, uh, it seems like almost every few months it comes up where there's a supermoon that's going to smash into us or Nibiru or Planet X or whatever you want to call it. They keep, pe- people keep insisting the world's going to end. And do you have any word on what uh, the person that said it was going to happen on September 23rd, what are they saying now? Or how are they backtracking on this? I haven't had a chance to look it up, but clearly they're hiding out in some kind of bunker, praying for the end of the week to come and that uh, they were right. But obviously they weren't. So, hey, welcome back to reality. Oh, well, the rapture <laughs> didn't happen. No planet smashed into us. And everything is more or less fine, um, except for Twitter uh, bumping themselves up to 280 characters. But that's oh, besides the oh, point. Oh, what a <laughs> stupid idea that is. What a dumb, dumb, dumb idea that is. For multiple reasons. Firstly, I do think that Twitter... Um, I saw a tweet earlier today. So this is the, the 20... We're the 26th today. And so this is the first day that this has been announced that Twitter is bumping up their character limit. They're basically doubling it from 140 to 280, right? And it just leaves more room for stupidity to happen. And I feel like it's just a really um, dumb way of getting back into the news, right? Because basically Twitter probably has 12 to 18 months of solvency left before they have to declare bankruptcy. And I feel like this is one attention grabbing way of getting headlines and maybe some support, but it doesn't have any functional use from what I can see, right? Like tweets will still happen. And I feel like there's something to be said about being succinct in what you have to say. And I think you and I both, um, personally in terms of when we write um, tweets uh, for the show and me professionally when I've worked with associations and businesses, it's forced me to sort of dig deep and find out what the messaging is and how to play around with the confines of the medium in order to sort of get to where I want to be. Arguably, it helps get it, get the point across in a more succinct way, like you said. And now doubling that will cause, I think, more harm than good. But I guess we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, Twitter's been in trouble for a while, and this isn't going to help them. Speaking of something I did see on Twitter, though, so uh, do you know who B.O.B. is, the rapper? 
Um, well, the only reason I know who he is is because you posted something and he is sort of crazy. Yes, so B.O.B., best known for um, that song, Airplanes, with uh, Haley from Paramore. He had a bunch of uh, hit singles um, maybe seven, eight years ago. And he has since, over the last, like, hmm, I'd say, like, year and a half to two years, uh, basically become, like, a full-on flat earther. And so he even had Neil deGrasse Tyson uh, tweet back at him at one point for his nonsense. And so uh, B.O.B., has now launched a GoFundMe page, which originally was asking for $200,000, but now recently got bumped up to a million dollars, their goal, not how much money they currently have, because he's planning to uh, make uh, what I think or understand is like a web series, but also like a movement to get uh, information out about Flat Earth. So currently he's raised $2,000 of his $1 million goal. Uh, How much? $2,000. $2,000 of $1 million. Yeah, so... So he's got a ways to go. Yes, so his whole thing is called Show B.O.B. The Curve. And (laughs) uh, if you... I don't want to suggest this, but if you want to head over to his uh, Twitter feed, definitely do so. I don't think it's a good idea. Um, Oh, and we're not posting posting it in the show notes. No, but if you want, you can find him at Bob ATL, which is not a great idea. But hey, if you want to talk about (laughs) what he's up to, by all means, go ahead over there, see some of the nonsense he's posted. Uh, Watch his videos as well as his... Anyways, we've talked about Flat Earth before. And uh, we've also discussed how, like, um, the problem with curvature is one that is easily understood. Like, he posted a picture, and there's two cities, um, but the cities aren't curved at all. And he said, these are, like, 15 miles apart. How is this not curved? So there's a lot of stuff there that's not um, so um, thought out, I guess is the best word to use. And sort of sad when you really consider that he's kind of become known for this instead of his... Um, musical career why so uh, first of all i don't understand how somebody can be able to create music yet be so dumb when it comes to something like this it's it's kind of ridiculous how does anybody think that the earth is flat we've gone over this i guess we haven't really uh gone through it in depth which we should do one day i think because it could be a lot of fun maybe for a, a fun episode when uh uh, we need one, but this is kind of uh, borderline insane to think that. And and he got poor poor Neil deGrasse Tyson getting involved in garbage like this. He's got better <laughs> things to do than to explain. Like there's so much more out there, so much things that are much more complicated that need to be explained to people. That's something as simple as understanding that the Earth is round, it goes around the sun, and we figured it out hundreds of years ago shouldn't be something that is still being questioned yet it is what i'd love to do and i've seen this multiple places a lot of people said that they would put up matching funds if uh bob and a crew decided to go ahead and find the edge of earth well they're gonna be looking for a long time just gonna be going around (laughs) in circles or just end up right back home because of its uh, the earth's spherical nature and you know if it wasn't for the earth's spherical nature we wouldn't have as many visits from aliens that is quite true. But very quickly, before I forget, uh, you touched upon uh, musicians and crazy ideas. So I have four words I just want to throw out there without comment, and then we're going to get um, going with the show. But I want to say Kid Rock for Senate. That is it. That is all. Let's talk about UFOs. Double density. So here we are back in the paranormal segment of the Double Density podcast. And Brian, you were talking about UFOs. We're back to UFOs because we seem to not like the poor lake monsters. Right, because we were going to talk about lake monsters last week. We were going to talk about them this week. We wanted to talk about them next week, but that's not happening either. So I think it, we just, like, I think lake monsters are the new rods in terms of, like, the, the way things go in our show. Because we've been low-key talking about rods since episode one, I believe, right? So it's kind of um, hanging out in the back closet. And uh, one day we're going to get to lake monsters. But before that, we're going to get to what is arguably or non-arguably our first love, which is UFOs. I would say it is. And uh, not to speak ill of lake monsters and compare them to the stupidity that is rods, um, I I am excited to eventually talk about lake monsters, but um, stuff came up this week, and uh, the day this episode drops is going to be the 50th anniversary of one of Canada's most uh, incredible um, UFO sightings, and that would be the Shag Harbor incident, and we thought we wanted to sort of start talking about that. 
So quick note to backtrack. Yes, this episode has come out on a Wednesday. Do not be alarmed. It is not late. We're going to be dropping episodes every Wednesday from now on. So um, instead of doing Sunday night, we're going to do Wednesday morning. So you're listening to this probably on your commute to work, you know, so congrats on surviving another day. Congrats on showering, eating and heading out to where you need to be. Um, So that uh, sort of put out there, let's talk about Shag Harbor. So October 4th, 1967. Shag Harbor, Nova Scotia, around 11 p.m. A series of people, including several... So I think we have to explain, right, for our non-Canadian audience, who uh, the RCMP is. Our friends in Idaho? Yeah. <laughs> to everyone in Idaho, Angelo, who is the RCMP? They're the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. The Mounties, if you will, which um, often sort of kind of get made fun of, but they're not always in that funny little uniform and they're not always riding horses. They're actually... Um, I would say the equivalent to the FBI, sort of. Yeah, I definitely would agree with that. And a lot of people um, not from Canada would probably recognize uh, Mounties from that immortal 90s uh, TV show, Due South. Exactly. Starring Paul Gross, who is a Canadian. He is. But uh, that's besides the point. All, <laughs> all this to say that uh, a bunch of uh, Mounties, fishermen and airline pilots, spotted these three flashing lights around 11 p.m. Uh, around Shag Harbor on October 4th, 1967. So it's, a, it's not three, it's actually four lights in a row going on and oh, off. Oh, four lights. Look at that, Brian correcting me. He, he is, <laughs> as you know, our paranormal expert. So it's one of the, so Nova Scotia is located in the Maritime, so in the eastern part of Canada, in the Atlantic, right? So it's kind of a smaller um, province. Uh, I'm trying to figure out, you know, a kind of sizable. Uh, it's, it's definitely smaller than most um, U.S. states. Um, so for something like this to happen, for so many people to see it, it's kind of anomalous. So uh, what happens is that around 11 o'clock, a bunch of people, including three RCMP officers, see a series of lights crash straight into a body of water. And um, they start calling uh, emergency phone lines, letting them know they see something crashed, right? So what happens is that a bunch of uh, local law enforcement as well as RCMP officers head out to take a look um, and see what's going on. So there's a dozen people uh, peering out over the water's edge, trying to see if they can see anything. And uh, the sort of most consistent explanation of what everyone saw is that um, a large glowing sphere uh, the size of a bus was um, well out into the river, and then it dove beneath the surface maybe after 15 or 20 minutes of being there, and then disappeared without a sound. Yeah, and apparently it went back and went to this place in Shelburne, which apparently there was this top-secret U.S. military base that was disguised as this Oceanographic Institute. So it kind of adds this whole conspiracy to the fact that this strange UFO that all of a sudden became an underwater thing uh, moved to go towards a U.S. base. So it's kind of strange. It's a really interesting case. Subsequently, so the day after, a bunch of Canadian Navy divers get into the water and they spend three days scanning the harbor floor, you know, and they're trying to locate whatever it is that they saw. And unfortunately, or fortunately, I guess, they don't come up with anything. So it's kind of really interesting in terms of like that's one of the most well-documented because of the, the fact that several law enforcement officials were in on the ground floor, quote unquote, of this whole incident, right? Yeah, that's the that's the interesting thing. There were there were so-called trained observers, right? So there were a few things here. There were the RCMP officers, which are police officers. You would think they are well trained to kind of observe what's going on to figure out if something's going wrong. There were fishermen who are used to being out on the water, understand what they're used to seeing around them, and obviously airline pilots that are well versed in things that are flying around. Every report that seems to have come out of this people were confused. But the thing is, is most people initially thought they were seeing a plane crash and not uh, something else, which is what it seems to have turned out to be. Right. And I think that's the, the other aspect of what makes this so famous too, is the idea that beyond the uh, local and national law enforcement officials that were around there, a lot of the documentations from the, from the Canadian defense department um, issued, you know, uh, hours, days, and even weeks afterwards indicated that they did not know what they were dealing with, but it was clear that it wasn't something like uh, an aircraft or a flare or any other kind of known object, right? 
So this is happening in the 60s when tensions are high with the Cold War in full force. Um, the U.S. and the Soviet Union are in the middle of the space race trying to get um, as many things happening in, in outer space as, as quickly as possible uh, with the U.S. working on getting a man on the moon. Uh, I'm assuming the, the Soviet Union was doing the same. So a lot of things are happening. There's spy planes flying around. Uh, Brian, do you know when, was this the time when the U-2 uh, was flying, or was it, uh, were we already in the uh, SR-71 phase? I do believe that the U-2 happened in the mid-50s, so this was definitely later than that, so it's probably okay. the SR-72, yeah. So, so yeah, so this is, uh, the spy planes are flying around, satellites, so initially a lot of people thought this may have been a satellite that fell, all kinds of different things, but... Um, who knows what was happening? And there were a lot of confused uh, Newfoundlanders at that point. So so the Shag Harbor, it's, it is definitely one of the um, hallmarks, I guess, of Canadian ufology. But Canadians are generally no stranger uh, to UFO cases, uh, right? Exactly. There's um, another one in PEI, a much more recent case. Uh, this uh, was in 2014, where a man named John Shepard was camping. Uh, with his wife, and uh, around 11, 11.30, his wife was already asleep, and he started seeing a diamond-shaped light uh, dancing in the sky, and then another light appeared. Um, there's actually a video of this, but it comes back to our um, tried-and-true uh, what not to film when you're filming a UFO, although I guess he did a good thing. He kind of kept it steady, but it amounts to nothing more than just lights in the sky, so we have no idea what's going on here. Uh, but uh, MUFON got involved in this case, and um, so did the CBC, apparently, because they kind of <laughs> reported on it as if it was like a a big deal. And uh, the t- if you go look at the article, which we'll post in the show notes, it's from uh, it's from a couple of years after the, the event actually happened. But uh, at the top of the page, the um, the headline is UFO sighting in PI backed by National Group. The National Group, MUFON, eh, I mean, come on. It's not like uh, it's... Collection of volunteers who exactly. believe the same thing. And it's all people that, um, to, to quote, uh, to misquote our title from last week, who want to believe, right? Um, so Desperately so. That's the problem. And then uh, Vice actually had a really good article sort of kind of uh, debunking it, saying... Uh, that uh, uh, the headline for this one was the CBC just confirm the existence of aliens. And uh, if you read the article, they kind of have a laugh at the fact that uh, the CBC was going so intent on this uh, case that at the end of the day, although the guy was scared and uh, it was frightening for him, really amounts to nothing more than lights in the sky. And it can be pretty much anything at that point. And the weird thing, too, is that, um, so there's two things I want to mention, right? So this article is from January 2016, so it took about a year and a half yeah. for the CBC to get around to doing that. And I don't think the MUFON people took that long to investigate uh, a seven and a half minute shaky video. No, it just took that long for there to be a slow news day. Exactly. That's exactly the point I want to bring up is that, you know, mid-January, definitely slower news cycle there. The second thing, of course, is if you want to head down to the end of the page, willing to, there's like 400 comments there, so those are a lot of fun to click around. Um, as always, check the C-section for anything UFO-related and watch um, everyone come out of the woodwork and say what they want to say. Whether or not it's coherent doesn't really matter, as in most um, comment sections. Oh, I see. I missed out on the comments because Ghostry blocked comments powered by Via Fiora. So I'll have to, <laughs> I'll have to unblock them and uh, have a look. Um, oh, yeah, here we go. Oh, my God. Yes. So the comments section on these UFO types articles or any conspiracy theory related article or anything paranormal usually becomes um, quite quickly uh, turns into a dumpster fire. So, um, but they are very enjoyable to read. The only one that made sense, the top ones, I'm going to read this is from the user Luputa who says that he saw something I don't doubt. Why must it be flying saucers? Just because something can't be explained doesn't mean only the wackiest solution at hand is the correct one. Well, he sounds like us. Is that you, Brian? Are you Laputa? He is our spirit animal. And then if you head up before that, uh, a user called TrueGrit1 posted quite interesting ellipses. A UFO, an unidentified flying object, ellipses. Doesn't mean it is from outer space. And then he replied to himself saying, beam me up, Scotty. (laughs) Replied to himself again saying, there's no intelligent life here, period. Uh, He was bored. (laughs) 
<laughs> but yeah, the C-section is always the best thing to sort of go ahead and click on, especially with an article like this. And I do think that, you know, I can both agree that it was a slow news day. And I think that Vice, um, in a way that the British would say is taking the piss, right? They're sort of uh, raking uh, the CBC over the coals for this one. And I think it's a fun little clickbaity article. Like, I don't really add a lot of weight to it. That is, I mean, that's exactly the, the term I would have used uh, with what Vice did here. Uh, it's really funny to see that something, this guy just, I love that it says case 57090, um, <laughs> like MUFON. And MUFON named it one of its top 10 cases. If this is in the top 10, like what's not, uh, what's in the top 20? Uh, it's It's kind of sad that this was in the top 10 because it's, it, Looking at the video here, there's there's absolutely nothing to see that's of any consequence. It's just lights in the sky. I think we saw more lights in the sky in our backyard barbecue uh, UFO spectacular. Oh, for sure. And what I'm going to do in a following episode is I'm actually going to pull up the top 10 MUFON alien UFO files for 2014 because I do think it's out there. So we're going to take a look at that. Oh, the uh, truth is out there. And laugh and have a good time. I feel like we sound a bit more cynical than usual with this. Well, it's because they bring it upon themselves. It's kind of, there's nothing concrete there. There's really nothing concrete. It's just, again, lights in the sky. And uh, any ufologist that is worth anything would tell you there's nothing there. It's just a light. There's nothing to prove anything. It didn't even do anything spectacular. It was just... No, it just kind of shook around for a while. Or that or... The guy was just shaking his hands. Um, if you want to head over to DoubleDensity.net, we actually posted a quick tutorial on what to do if you think that you see a UFO in the sky and how to film it, which I think is an invaluable asset to anyone who's even thinking of looking up at night or during the day. Especially with your new iPhone 8 with the bionic chip in there, it'll get some really good uh, UFO footage. That you can upload it straight quick to the internet in 4K if you wanted to. Yeah, it'll only take you 23 seconds to export exactly don't try that with your samsung phone (laughs) um so switching from things that aren't true to things that are unfortunately way too true so it's come out this week that um the director of the infamous alien autopsy video which we talked about all the way in episode two of double density and we posted a link to that and i think we'll do that again the that grainy black and white um, video, a half hour video that uh, purported to be from 1947 uh, is actually clearly, as we all knew to be uh, a fake. So the director Spiros Malaris has come out and explained a lot of how that was set up. So um, the producer of the movie Ray Santilli um, admitted on his deathbed more or less in a decade ago, so around 2006, that he knew it to be a fake, but he understood it to be a reconstruction of a film that he had originally seen and the film had deteriorated. So, um, yeah. Uh, so Spiros has come out and kind of laid out a lot of the different sorts of aspects of the video. Like, who are the people uh, dressed up as the surgeons, the medical instruments? Who created the uh, fake alien body, right? So it's this guy, John Humphreys, who had uh, previously done work on the Doctor Who show. And so there's a lot of information there about um, the specifics involved in the grainy black and white uh, footage. The only thing I don't, uh, I haven't seen a good explanation of yet is how they managed to quote unquote fake the um, uh, dating of the film to the 40s. Yeah, that's the interesting part of that. Um, fun also is that to make sure it stayed on the down low is he hired, well hired, he had his brother and his then girlfriend playing the role of the the pathologist, which is kind of fun. So there's no outside people to like spread the secret of this uh, faked video and um but it's it i've always said it was very well done but there was no way it was real yeah no it definitely was not real it it did need jonathan frakes's voice to make it sound more real uh which is what helped but uh yeah there's like we go back and listen to episode two but like we said then is our when we were young we really wanted to believe in it but um, in this case, it never uh, really panned out to be anything true, unfortunately. It is interesting how they made put the body together and that it is somebody from Doctor Who that did it. And that sort of makes sense when you look at it. It has that Doctor Who aesthetic. Do you know the Italian horror movie Cannibal Holocaust? I have heard of it. I have not watched it. I think I'd kind of be scared. Didn't they really eat people for that or something like that? So the aspect I want to talk about, so this is an Italian film that came out in 1980 and it purported to pretend to be like a documentary film, right? So what they had done, so director Ruggiero Diodato had um, 
made the cast and crew sign NDAs and promised that they wouldn't talk to uh, any sort of media for a year following the film's release because he wanted that air of authenticity. But it kind of bit him in the butt because he got charged with murder <laughs> and had to compel the actors to come out of the woodwork um, to uh, claim and show that they weren't in fact dead. Yeah, because when something gets so, so realistic like that, that people think it's real. And back then, you know, they couldn't go check the internet or do anything like that. It's this wouldn't really happen now. Well, I say that, but all kinds of crazy things happen, like people thinking the earth is flat. But it's kind of harder to do something like that in this day and age. People are a lot more cynical than they were back then. Right. And he also, so they also had to explain a lot of the special effects because it did actually look so very realistic that they thought that people had died. Right. So I thought that was kind of an interesting kind of parallel in between the two, not necessarily the same in terms of, Hey, we created a fake snuff film versus we created a fake alien film. But I definitely do think that there's some kind of um, link between the two in terms of uh, the question, as you were saying of authenticity. Well, it reminds me of um, a movie, a bunch of movies that a friend of mine who's probably listening to this show um, he had brought some samurai movies uh, to show a few of my friends, and they looked so real. They were like, did they kill real people for these movies? Because it, it really did look like they were slicing through people for these uh, samurai movies. So for, for a long while, we were always talking about those movies where they killed actual people for the, for the effects, but obviously they didn't. As October approaches, we'll definitely be getting a little bit into paranormal horror movies because that is my um, preferred type of movie. And I often have this discussion with other people where I can never pull myself out of the technique in making a film uh, in order to fully immerse myself into a movie. So I'm never quite scared. I'm never quite horrified. I'm just thinking, how did they get that shot? How did they get that effect? Is that CGI? Is that a practical effect? So um, I can't enjoy movies anymore. I think I'm broken. That's too bad. That's like uh, sort of like me with technology at this point. Because <laughs> for me, yeah, a, a movie like Cannibal Holocaust or, you know, even the alien autopsy video, like I want to buy into it, but my brain won't let me because it's always thinking about angles. It's always thinking about what cameras they're using or, you know, how did they achieve that effect? Um, so I'm sort of stuck and I don't know how to get out of it. If anyone has any suggestions as to how to love movies again, you can hit us up at double underscore density, facebook.com slash double density podcast, or on Instagram uh, under double density podcast. Angela, would you have any suggestions for me about how to love horror movies again or be scared again? Well, you need to get one of those cool little things the men in black have and erase your memory of how you realize movies are made, and then you'll enjoy them again. I, uh, are you... Uh... You giving a shout out to what we might be talking about next week? Well, maybe. Perhaps. Maybe. We might throw a little, you know, gift out there to the listening audience about something that we're going to cover. But, uh, yeah, he made me think of uh, something I was envious of a friend of mine. He went to see From Dusk Till Dawn without realizing it was about vampires. <laughs> so he thought it was just like another Quentin Tarantino type movie. Uh, and he had no idea it was about vampires and I would kill to be like to see that movie back again and not realize it's about vampires because it's the most amazing thing when you think a movie's one thing and it just goes bonkers crazy and turns into something else like a, a literal bloodbath seriously um I it's something I try to do now is find the movie I've never heard of and watch it not knowing what it's about, but it's really hard, especially with Netflix's stupid feature now where you hover over something and all of a sudden it starts playing. I don't know if you've noticed that. The big problem I have right now is the movies that I know I want to see without learning any plot points. Like for example, the new Blade Runner comes out on Friday. I don't want to read any reviews that reveal anything about that. I even cursed myself for sitting in the theater watching a recent trailer. You know, I don't want, I want to go in with as little knowledge as possible because what happens in my dumb elephant brain is that I start trying to place the scenes in the trailer within the context of the movie. And I know that things are going to happen. Right. So I just, I tend to have that problem. I went to see uh, Spider-Man homecoming without having seen much of anything for it. And I really enjoyed it because of it. See, and that's the way I wish I could go. But now with, you know, I think this kind of bridges um, uh, paranormal uh, media and technology. Like I, I wish I could escape and not, and like put a filter on my life where I'm like, don't talk about this till I've seen it. Well, I'm doing this, um, something that uh, was talked about on a few podcasts I listened to where they refer to it as total media blackout. Uh, I did it for, I managed to do it for the first time with uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. Homecoming. And I'm trying to do it uh, with The Last Jedi. So I'm not going to watch any trailers. 
or read anything about it and just go fresh into that movie. I can't wait to troll you. I cannot wait oh. to troll you. Well, we're, so we're not going to be recording podcasts from the end of October <laughs> until the end of December. Uh, we're just going to do uh, next couple of weeks. We're just going to do a fury flurry of podcast records where we just would guesstimate the events of November and December. Yeah. So uh, Trump said something strange. UFOs over Arkansas. Uh, end of the world prediction. I'm sure new iPhone developments, et cetera, et cetera. So Angela, this has been episode 23 of Double Density. And don't be afraid, as we were saying before, this is a Wednesday podcast from now on. So do not check for us on Sundays. Wednesdays is the new time. I'd say probably around 7 a.m. EST. Would that sound? Or like earlier? What do you think? No. So, well, whatever. I mean, we uh, anywhere between 6 and 7 in the morning, probably. Uh, we're up early because we we're, uh, yeah we're we're young guys we painstakingly we're old guys i'm not sure which way that works we painstakingly post this by hand uh on the internet we code it all ourselves a podcast no. handcrafted for all of you from all of us and you know everyone in idaho you're gonna get this handcrafted don't worry and thanks for listening so tune in next week as we talk about you know uh, a variety of different conspiracy theories revolving around the lord of the rings trilogy See you, Brian.